them listening to that the words and, and reading the words and hearing the words and hearing the tune and hearing people singing and hands being raised i'm i keep thinking in my head what will heaven look like because no ear has heard and no eye has seen this is just a slice when we begin to praise God. And so this morning we're going to continue our, our, our sermon series on the biblical words of praise that we find in the Bible. And today we're going to talk about posture. Right? My wife gets on my case all the time. Mm-hmm. You need to stand up straight. Being tall, and if, if you're over six feet, you will most likely have heard somebody tell you, hey, straighten out your back or stand up straight. Because being tall and having grown up or while growing up, I, in the seventh grade, I walked in 5'6". I was already tall for a seventh grader, but I left eighth grade 6'2". <laughs> yeah, my, that's what my mom said. Because she would buy me some, she would buy me a pair of pants, and a month later, they'd be, I, I looked like Steve Urkel. So, posture. When we talk about posture, it's it's not necessarily a correct. What I'm not trying to portray is not a correct way in which we stand or sit, but in attitude and attitude. However, there are several postures in worship. So as we begin, I want to highlight our very first word, Barak. Pretty fun to say, isn't it? Barak. Has nothing to do with Barack Obama. Just putting it out there. The Israelites came first, way before. And so the word Barak is one of the, that you find one of the most frequent words in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament, dealing with praise. And there, are its, there is its meaning, a primitive root word. Okay, So in other words, there are several words that come out of this word in the Hebrew language, which means to kneel by implication to bless God as an act of adoration and vice versa, man as a benefit. It's really interesting because when you read the, the New International Bible, version, New International Version, and you compare it with the New King James, which is a more approximate version to our language today than the King James versions, because it doesn't have all the thous, the these, the shouts and shout nots. It's more contemporary. We begin to see the difference. In the New International Version, I do not have it on the screen, but if you do read that and you look up the text that we will reference here soon, you will see the word praise. But in the King James, New King James Version, you see something different. 
So the first word I want to bring to your attention, or the first verse I want to bring to your attention is, I will bless, I will barach the, the Lord at all times. When? All times. There's another verse in the Bible, right, that talks about all times, and it has to do with something else other than praise, which is prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time, right? So we, we think about prayer in a way which yeah, we know we should be praying all the time. We should live our lives in a prayerful attitude. But did you ever think about that the Bible calls us to praise, to bless the Lord at all times? Hmm. Probably not, huh? Or, or maybe it's, it's easier to pray, right? It's easier to pray all the time because you can get into a conversation with God. You can get into that groove, that routine. Oh, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for protecting me. Please help me as I travel. Or it's easy to have that kind of a conversation. But when it talks about praising, praising is more focused. Praising has more of, of something that is not of you, doesn't belong to you. What do I mean by that? When you praise, you are giving. Okay? When you praise, you are giving something that is owed to something. Here's another verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul. There's a song that, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, on all that is within me. Bless His name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. The word bless here is the word barach. In the New International Version, you have praise the Lord, O my soul. Simple question. Did you know that when you bless, you praise? When you bless somebody, you are praising God. When you walk in a mindset of, you see, we have this idea that praising God is just singing. I don't know who put that into our heads. Because if we read the actual account of the, of the biblical passages, praising God is an all-day affair. Is something that we ought to do, not just spontaneously, but also intentionally. Because we, we understand who it is that created. I'm going to come up to a text that's going to be really cool to see. So here's another one, Psalm 34, verse 1. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That is not Barak. Remember, we, we looked at two different words. Can any of you remember those two words that we talked about last week. Halal and Shabbat. Guess which word that one is? Halal, right? Halal, where we get hallelujah from. So if we were to read into this and into his courts with hallelujah and be thankful to him and bless his name, Two different attitudes, two different ideas that's being conveyed here in, in the Hebrew word, but we have kind of put it all into one. And so we have missed the context. And, and so when we un begin to unpackage this, 
our attitude in terms of praise should be different. The posture in which we are praising. One, when you think about hallelujah, you, which comes the, set, the, the other word we talked about is what? The shout of praise, right? You come saying hallelujah, hallelujah, bless the Lord. So you're blessing the name of the Lord in a loud voice. That is what this is portraying. When you read the context of this psalm in, in, in chapter 34, this is the idea that you are conveying. How many of you... I'm going to, I'm going to set, up my, set myself up for this. I, I know it. Any of you here Patriots fans? Awesome. I love it. Okay? Any of you here Bucks fans? We got a couple. All right. Cool. Cool. Man, you guys don't watch football. Um, I'm sorry. All right, Cowboys. Anybody here? Let, let's assume... Okay, if you're watching the Super Bowl and your favorite team is playing, do you just kind of sit there? I know I'm going to give Mike a hard time because I'm going to sit. And you're watching your game and, and you're like, go team. <laughs> yeah, we scored. No, you actually, you just jump up and you're like, yes, we scored. And this is the excitement that David is trying to portray, that when we walk into his gates and we praise, that we halal his name, we are not just, bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless the Lord. That's not what he's trying to convey at all. He's saying, praise the Lord, bless his name, because we are excited because of what he has done. Despite the week we've had that's the tricky part because sometimes we come with this attitude of oh i lord i hope the, the the pastor has it going on today in the sermon because i need a blessing we come with that attitude of i need to get something so i can get through the week that's not how it works people that's not how it works Leads me to the second one, the second word that we're going to study today. Yada. This one is interesting because when you couple that with the posture and the attitude, the definition of it, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, is to, to extend the hand as if you're throwing something. Okay? As if you're throwing a javelin, you're throwing a weapon, you're throwing, so you're taking and you're throwing it but to hold it out there. In basketball, we call it follow through. Okay? But this is what it means. To, to hand, to hold out, to extend your hand. So it's not, you know, as Danielle was, sitting, was standing here praising, and then we got to that part of the song, she says, because you are strong. This is one way. This is another. The, symbol, the symbolism of the strength in our God. See, to hold, have the hand held out is not just to put it out there and to hold it, but it's to also understand the, what you are communicating, because you're not communicating to the person next to you. You're communicating that to our Creator. Amen. Right? So if you're saying, thank you, Lord, because you are strong, you are, your body is communicating the words that are coming out of your mouth. And that's okay. 
I will give you thanks. Here's yada, okay? In the great assembly, I will give you thanks. And I will praise halal among my people. Two things from this verse. Have you ever seen somebody give thanks with their hands behind their back? In some cultures, when people give thanks, they actually put their hands together. Thank you. Their hands communicate. They share what is on their heart. It may not have to be like this. It can be like this. It can be like this. It can be like this. Thank you. To extend the hand is, is, is a sign of not just understanding. It's not a posture. It's not a position of thanks. It's I am grateful. Because you recognize that you are giving something that you are not worthy. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be a blessing from God, but when somebody gives you a gift, it's not usually it's because they love you. Okay? And I will praise. So here is the attitude of, of, of thanksgiving is not one where, yes, we had a great week. You know, kids, when they're shy, say thank you. Thank you. Sometimes that's how we act in church with God. Where the Bible is saying a complete different, giving us a complete different picture. Don't worry about what others are going to think about you. This is you and God. This is, this is vertical. This also, it says this, the you I give, I will give you all singular forms. It's not about what you will give, but listen, uh, get, I will give. Praise is about giving, not getting. Blessing is about giving, not getting. Let all the people yada. That's another fun word to say. Praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Okay? But here's something else about Yada. I acknowledged my sin to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess Yada, my transgressions to my Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Pastor, that is not praising at all, is it? You know it is. Because you are now recognizing that you are a sinful human being and that you need a Savior. Amen. Confessing your sins is as much praise to God as it is you expressing the blessings He's given you. You know why? Because He created you. He provides for you. And when we walk away or when we do something that we do not, we should not have done, we acknowledge our sin to God and we extend our hands, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, when I played basketball, when I, 
when I would make a mistake, I didn't do this always, but I would yell out to my teammate, my bad. My hands. And I would I go, my bad. Sometimes I'm on the other side of the court and, 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 and the crowd is cheering, but I needed to communicate with my teammates, say, hey, I, I messed up. I'll raise my hand and say, my bad. That's acknowledgement. Understanding that you have not done what you were supposed to. And yet you can fit my bad. I'll get you that ball better sooner. It's an easy application. Maybe over, overly simplistic. But how often do we dwell in the fact that we have sinned and forget to go to our Lord knowing that He is faithful to forgive us if we are to confess our sins? That is praise. I know it got real quiet here all of a sudden. It's going to get even more quiet. Who do you need to confess to this morning? Is there somebody in here, because this isn't just vertical, this is also horizontal. Is there somebody in here that you need to confess and forgive? Is there somebody in your life that you need to confess and forgive? See, it's one thing when we deal with God because we can't see Him. But when we can see the person the very next day, that's challenging. It's difficult. I get it. I'm human. I know. I've done stuff. I'm not proud of it. But we have to acknowledge that's part of praising. But when it comes into the atmosphere of church, acknowledging who our Creator is, is also to confess, I am sinful. Forgive me. And He will forgive. Next slide, please. All right, there it is. If we confess our sins, okay, I, I, I mentioned this earlier. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us. What are you waiting for? Here's another interesting verse. Okay? And forgive us our debts as we forgive our did you know that part of your praise will only be fully accepted if we are forgiving each other? You cannot expect God to forgive you. The psalmist says, if I confess my sins, if I acknowledge my sins before you and confess them, you will forgive me. You, if we are faithful and, and if we confess our sins, He is just and righteous, He will confess us. However, Jesus also placed a condition that said, if you forgive, then I forgive you. Because you can't know what it means to be forgiven if you do not forgive. If we forget our debtors, God will forgive us. As we, that's what it means, as we forgive our debts. What are debts? It's not just money. It's the things it is, it is the things that is owed to us. It may be respect. It may be praise. It may be 
forgiveness. That's where praise becomes complicated. Because we are looking at praise as this one level of communication, but it's also down from God. Because part of it is confession, and the result of confession is forgiveness. And God can't only, we can only receive the full blessing of praise if we are doing our part here. I want you to meet Andrea. Andrea, as I call her. She was my best friend in first grade. This is her family now. Now remember, my dad used to be a school principal uh, of the school that we attended. Her mother was my kindergarten teacher. And every year the teachers would leave and they would go on a retreat. And we would go to the beach. And this year she brought something new for us to play with. Or I should say for her to play with. I was a bit salty. Because she brought this... It's not a buoy. But it's like a boya. It's almost like a life raft. It's not a life raft. It's a float. Thank you. Floaty. English is my second language. No, she, so she brought this floaty. And, and so she would walk into, into the ocean. And she would just kind of allow the waves to carry her back and i would hear you know i mean we're first second grade first grade and i saw her doing that out and i was like can i can i andrea can i have some of the you know your your floaty can can i try it out and she's like nope Wee, and off she went and so she would come back and i'm like please can i have a, a turn nope Wee and off she went. And then she come back, I'm like, pretty please? Wee and off she went. I got mad. She came back. Andre, will you please let me have a turn? Nope. And I flipped her over. The problem was that she had it, she wasn't on it, she was wearing it. As she flipped over. Her upper body was stuck un- underwater. And her legs, wee, going over to the to, to shore. The problem is that she, she couldn't breathe. And so the waves took her and dragged her with her head underwater all the way to shore, and she almost drowned. The next day, well, forget the next day, from that day forward, she would not talk to me at all. She was my best friend. And I would go to her and say, Andrea, come on, let's go hang out, let's play. I don't want to talk to you. She was mad. What's that saying that hell, hell has no fury? Well, unless, yeah, as a woman scorned. Yeah, I learned that when I was in first grade. <laughs> and so... We would not talk, and, and, and we began, I began to try everything, and so I came home. My mother couldn't understand why I was so sad, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, Andrea won't talk to me. She's like, why not? Have you apologized? Uh, uh, kind of. I tried. You haven't done it, have you? 
No. What, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to buy her some flowers. I'm like, ew. <laughs> Cooties. And she's like, no, you're going to buy her some flowers. And I'm like, I'm not her boyfriend. I don't give her flowers. She's like, you're going to buy her some flowers. And I remember my mom bought this big bouquet and it had roses and it had all sorts of flowers in it as well. I mean, I'm in fir- we're in first grade. It was after school. My mom came to pick us up. She went into her mother's classroom, which was the kindergarten room. And Andrea was there. And so my mom stepped out and brought me the bouquet for me to take it to her. As I grabbed that bouquet, I walked. If you've ever seen somebody embarrassed, walking, that was like a death sentence. So I'm walking slowly, and I'm like, Andrea? And she looked at me, and she smiled. And I'm like, I haven't even said anything. And, and I said, listen, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. These are for you. I didn't, um, I didn't see Andrea for the, that year we moved away. This was 1984. I didn't see her again until the year 2000. And I'm sitting at, you know, behind at the back door of the church her, her church was doing, uh, her choir was performing in, in the city of Florianopolis, and I'm just standing in the back, and I'm, and I'm just observing. And here comes this short little young lady. She's like, Art? And I'm like, Andrea? And she gave me a big hug. She's like, I never, I've never forgotten the flowers you've given me. And I said, hey, Really? Yeah, what, you haven't gotten more flowers since? I joked with her. And we talked and we caught up. But this is why it's important for us to understand that when we ask for forgiveness, it's not just about us receiving that forgiveness, but it's also blessing that other individual. When we look at Romans 14, 21, it says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. Paul is quoting three Bible verses in the Old Testament. So this is, this is Barak, and this is also this, this very word that we're talking about right now. And I can't remember it. Yada. See? You guys are paying attention. I'm doing my job. This is about Barak and Yada. In the New Testament, Paul is talking about, now if you look at the context, it's talking about judgment. Not judging our neighbors based on what he or she eats or not eats. So this is in relationship to the, our neighbor, those that are not of our faith group. 
but every knee shall bow. Remember the word barak talks about being kneeling, right? About blessing and being in a kneeling position. So if we are to combine the posture of both of them, you, you could, it would look something like you're on your knees and your hands are high and you're lifting up, Lord, thank you. And then you read this verse, says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You know when that's going to happen? The second coming. Every knee will bow. Jesus himself said that as well. Every knee shall bow and they will confess who is the king of kings. In Revelation 4, 11, it says the 24 elders fall down before him who sits in the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before them saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and, and by your will they exist and were created. When you look at the context of Genesis chapter 1, and understanding what the, the word means. And it's used interchangeably to bless and to kneel, but sometimes often it's conveying the same idea. Then the Lord blessed them. Them who? Adam and Eve. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds of the air, and over, over every living thing that moves on the earth. You can go back one, please. What's the third word on this slide? Blessed. What word do you think this is? It's Barak. Here's the context. Jesus, because he, John chapter 1, in the beginning was a word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and, and by him everything that was created was created, Right? So, and we also know that when we look at the account of Genesis, we have, let us make man, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three of them are there. And they are the creator are with the created. And the idea is one of intimacy between creator and creation. And God blessed them. Very often, sometimes when I, when I want to speak with my son and or my daughter, I will do one of this. So we can be eye to eye, right? But I, I, can you imagine the creator of the universe coming and sitting down and saying, hey guys, let me tell you something. I want, I, I want you guys to rule the earth. I want you to subdue everything here because I've created it for you. Does not change the, the idea of who God is when he is able to stoop and say, I'm going to bless you. He desires to come close to you. He desires to serve you. He desires, yes, serve you because he wants to bless you. But are you pos is your posture, are you worshiping God in the right posture? And by the right posture, I alluded to earlier in the sermon, are you coming to get a blessing or are you coming to give a blessing? When we understand this idea of blessing, of praising, worship becomes fun. 
And I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm not trying to say that it's not serious. Because it is. But when we start focusing on in worshiping our God, but on what we want out of it, we have missed the point. We have missed the object of worship. We have missed the intentions of praise. And we put ourselves in line with Satan, wanting to be like God. It's a dangerous ground to be in. Satan wanted to be like God, and he wanted to be on an equal level. He wanted praise. And if we ask, if we come to, work, to, to church expecting to receive a blessing without giving it, we are putting ourselves in that same plane, indirectly. Because it's not about what I get, but what I give. What's your posture this morning? What's your posture as you go on this next week? Praise all the time. May God bless you.